Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is the fleeting story with my friend Pierre Laguerre. How's it going, Pierre? Man, how you doing? Great. I'm doing great, Joe. I'm sorry. I'm actually excited, man. Everything is going well. Thank you <laughs> yeah. for being here. Yes, excellent. So first off, your company name is Fleeting, F-L-E-E-T-I-N-G. And uh, your name again is Pierre Laguerre. <laughs> so uh, the reason I say that is I, I start talking fast and I think people didn't hear what I had to say. But anyway, introduce yourself and your company and where you're calling from today. Yes, my name is Pierre Laguerre. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Fleeting. I'm currently uh, located in Atlanta, Georgia now, but what Fleeting is, we are, we like to refer ourselves as the Airbnb of trucking, and we are solving a major problem in transportation logistics. And our goal is to, one, is to solve the driver retention by quickly scale a fleet of trucks without having a single trucks on our balance sheet, allowing anyone from any walks of life across this country to become a fleet owner and truck owner and receive passive on their, um, on their trucks. But at the same time, enabling a gig economy for truck drivers, as we can see, our world is changing. The gig economy is just prevailing. There's predicting there's going to be about a million truck driver shortage. So our business is actually tackling that problem through, again, creating by leveraging technology to pay these drivers with these assets and also have a social impact arm to start helping marginalized communities and formerly incarcerated men and women and getting trucking. So we're excited to be here. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, well, we we were blabbing away before we hit record, and one of the things you just talked about is that trying to have that social impact of let's put some of these guys and gals who made a mistake, paid their dues, got back out, and uh, looking for opportunity. And there's and they're looking for opportunity, and we're a million drivers short. <laughs> Seems like a good fit. So, what is fleeting actually do? So, just let's go through the nuts and bolts of it. So, I know one of the things is you're connecting investors with passive income. So let's just say I'm an investor and I said, Pierre, make me some money. How do you do that for me? <laughs> great, great, great question, Joe. Before I answer that question, maybe I kind of give you an understanding of exactly what the industry look like right now. And maybe you'll have a much more understanding of our business model. Currently, trucking is over $800 billion industry heading towards a $1.2 trillion industry. And the sad reality is that's one of the only industries pretty much left in the 20th century, remain um extremely fractured. If you look at it, 92% of the trucking companies in this $800 billion industry are companies that own five trucks or less. Right. So it's very hard for these companies to scale their companies and they remain small. They really don't have the ability to reinvest into their businesses. Trucking is a high volume, low margin business. And again, these small carriers don't have the means to reinvest or even invest technology into their company to be sustainable. But at the same time, the industry is short a million truck drivers. And the reason for that is trucking companies cannot retain truck drivers. We are going through the great revolution. And if you look at it, we in 2022, truck drivers are spending on average 30 days, 45 days on the road. The food option is horrible. Drivers are spending 250 nights away from their family annually. Obesity is a real issue for drivers, right? Seven out of 10 of drivers. Tough life. It's very tough. So if you look at it in today's age, why would anyone become a truck driver when they can drive Lyft or drive Uber, right? And stay close right. to home 
and do be door dash. in their house absolutely and be in their house every night and still make good decent income so that's the one of the major problems that no one is talking about which is exactly affecting the transportation industry and we saw one very valuable important way to solve that problem is okay well we said if those companies are struggling and they can't leverage technologies to improve their businesses how can we create a platform where we leverage the technology to pair these small carriers, put their trucks onto our platform, and then pair that truck with truck drivers, allow them the ability to pick and choose when they want to work, how long they want to stay out, and allow them to spend more time with their loved one. So by doing that, it allow us to really do three main things pretty well. One, it'll allow us to quickly scale as capacity. We could go from 100 to 100,000 trucks without having a single truck on our balance sheet. Two, it help us solve the driver shortage and the driver retention by enabling the gig economy for truckers, allow them to pick and choose again when they want to work. And three, it will allow us to provide dedicated capacity for shippers across the country because shippers are desperately looking for everywhere where they can find reliable capacity to move their freight. So that's pretty much what pretty much fleeting is solving. But at the same token, it's very interesting how we're allowing third-party individuals to become truck owners. We have teachers, we have doctors, we have athletes that own fleets in our platform. So anyone that's looking to diversify their portfolio can say, hey, maybe how do I own two or three trucks? <laughs> and the reason we refer to ourselves as the Airbnb of trucking, as you know, when Airbnb came out, it was, okay, well, if I have a spare room in my house, I can rent that spare room for right. additional income. But then again, the flip, Airbnb became the place where everyone went and purchased real estate as an investment to put on Airbnb. Nice. And that's exactly what we're seeing in our business today is that everyone is reaching out saying, how can I own three, four trucks right. and put it on your platform? Which again, is very exciting because again, it'll allow us to scale pretty fast and solve one of the major problems that's affecting America supply chain logistics today is the driver shortage. Yep. It's interesting you mentioned the Airbnb. You're right. It started off as I'm going to rent out. I need a room and you yep. have a room. So you rent me a room. So I go, which by the way, I always kind of thought that wouldn't feel quite right to me. Like, yeah, I, I met this guy and now I show up at his house. And absolutely. Uh, Who would I'm, have sleep, I'm, I'm sleeping in the <laughs> room down the hall. You're like, I hope that guy's okay. Right. Yep. And then it became, I'm going to buy a condo and I'm going to rent it out. And by the way, I know certain places, I'm, I'm close to Ann Arbor. People renting out places in Ann Arbor have done really, really well. They rent them out during football weekends or the football team for Michigan football. Yep. And yeah, I've done, I've stayed in some of those and that's nice. So getting back to it, if I'm an investor, I could reach out and say, Pierre, I've got, I've got my stock market investments. I got some other stuff. I'm interested in an alternative investment. And I got how much, to, what's my minimum investment to go talk to you? Pretty much, we don't require, uh, as far as it talks to me, uh, for the uh, minimum investment, it's just amount what the truck costs. In today's market, a used truck can cost you on average between 80 to 120K. And of course, that's because of the uh, labor shortage that we're seeing today. Uh, manufacturers right. aren't able to bring trucks a lot faster. So I would say between 80 to 90K. So I give you, this is just for a round number here, I give you 100 grand and yep. you, you're going to help me buy that truck? Yes, our company will help you um, connect you with a dealership to get you a truck that's well-maintained, a truck that uh, passed a DOT inspection and world-worthy. Make sure also we make sure that you have warranty on the truck. Once you actually purchase the truck, we also help you with the registration process of the truck. And then you sign a lease agreement where you actually leasing that truck onto our platform. And once you do that, the truck get on the road and you start making money the following month. So what could, what could I expect a, a per year on my $100,000 that I invested with you? 
per year. So on average, what we see is on the low end, we see truck making as far as $3,800 a month net after all expenses are paid up to $9,000 a month net after all expenses are paid. So you can say on average on your investment, you can make about $40,000 a year from a $100,000 investment. And a truck like that can have a life expectancy of about four or five years on it. So do I have any other expenses? Do or that that's after all the expenses are done? I'm so I own that. So I'm getting that forty grand or thirty grand. I'm getting that quarterly, or how do sure. I receive that money? You get every month. We do a monthly settlements, and how it works is like this. So pretty much is a very clear strategy on very clear um, the way we split the pie. Let's say our drivers are paid twenty five percent on the load. We as a company we take fifteen percent of every load that's moved with that truck, and you keep the sixty percent. But outside of the 60%, you're still responsible for the fuel, the tow, the insurance, ELD, parking, compliance, and maintenance on a truck. So on average, an investor is also walking away net about 30 to 28% net. So for example, if you did a load for $1,000, the driver would be paid $250, we would be paid $150, and you would be left with the $600. So let's say out of the $600, you spent another, you know, $350 on insurance. I'm, I'm sorry, on insurance, on fuel, toll, on that one trip. So on that one day, you would net yourself $250. Very nice. So now you mentioned I've leased this out. Now, am I leasing it out to your company, Fleeting, or am I leasing it out to a driver? No. So you're actually leasing that truck out to Fleeting. So okay. it's a Fleeting, which is which we carry the umbrella insurance. And a driver now can come and book that truck with a load that matches schedule. By us having the umbrella insurance, what do we do is we have to vet the drivers, make sure the drivers fit the criteria, make sure they have the right experience. Now that's CDL, right? That's CDL class A truck drivers. And once the driver passed the vetting process, the driver is now approved to operate any trucks in our network. So again, a driver can say, okay, well, today, this week, I only want to work Monday through Wednesday and make $1,200. Then the system will tell the driver, which truck to book? Hey, you can book truck number 12, picking up in Georgia, delivering in Tennessee, and from Tennessee to Alabama, Alabama back to Georgia. And that driver can return that truck to the main location and go home and allow another driver to get in that truck for the following days to say, hey, I'm willing to work Thursday through Saturday. So again, we're increasing the truck utilization by leveraging technology and providing the flexibility for drivers. Yeah, and by the way, I've, I've just had this conversation yesterday. I think the the average truck drivers in their in their fifties, right? Yes. If they're if they want to and they're healthy, we'd like them to stick around, right? Absolutely. So I keep thinking maybe when they get to sixty five or seventy and they say, you know what, I'm still healthy. I I want to drive, but I just don't want to be on the road all the time. I want to just to supplement my retirement. I want to jump in and work a few days a week. That, th this gives me that opportunity to jump absolutely. in. Absolutely. Absolutely. What you just touched on is a very, very important point. As far as drivers, average age of a truck driver is 50 years old and growing. Drivers are retiring at alarming rate. And there's almost about 4 million truck drivers in the U.S. today. And only 10% of those drivers are owner operators. Those are the drivers that have their own trucks. But the other 90% of drivers, those are the drivers that work for companies. They have zero control of their schedule, zero control of their earning. And again, those are the drivers that you're talking about. They're 49 years old. They're looking for a little bit more flexibility. They're looking to spend more time at home with their loved one. But unfortunately, trucking is a very demanding job. Right. A lot of companies can't provide that flexibility component. So I think by us, by leveraging technology and providing that model, again, by scaling without having zero trucks on our balance sheet, we don't have to worry about carrying debt it can allow us to continue to grow and grow our fleet 
which in turn give drivers more flexibility to do exactly what you just talked about, giving yep. them the ability but to choose when to work. I think also, you know, we're trying to get more women into this business. Yep. And one of the issues with women, they tend to be the caregivers in the family. So they might be worried about elderly family members or children. I know they're worried about safety. So we always have to, so they might say, look, I want to work, but again, I can't be on the road all the time, or I want to work for the next, I want to work for the next 10 weeks. But when summer comes and the kids are off, I want to be out. Absolutely. And that's exactly why fleeting exists. You hit it right on the nail, Joe, is, of course, for women like that, for, for moms, you know, that pretty much have a tight schedule, moms or dad that pretty much have a tight schedule. Imagine we can start changing the narrative around a CDL license as opposed to looking at it like, OK, well, if I have a CDL, that means I have to spend 40, 30 days on the road. How about we change that mindset to look at a CDL as part of your portfolio? That might be that mom's portfolio. Well, I have a CDL instead of, you know, being on the road for 30 days, Monday to Wednesday, I'll drive a truck. And then Wednesday right. through Friday, I'll do Uber and do DoorDash. And I still, right. I'll still be home to be the mother of my children as opposed to have to choose between her right. career and her children. Yep. I do know um, also, I talk to brokers a lot. And I know every once in a while, you'll find a broker who'll say, yeah, I found... Um, I found something seasonal. Then maybe it's moving Christmas trees or moving produce yep. and they'll be doing it for a month or two month. months and they'll yep. go lease a truck and find a driver for that amount of time. So I think this is an opportunity for brokerages to say, Hey, look, we're rather than mess with the market, we're actually going to lease a truck. I know that goes on right now and they'll, they'll just to support their customers though. That's what they'll do. They, they could do the same with you. They could call Absolutely. and say, Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is one of the things that we're solving is by us building the capacity, brokers and shippers alike have the ability to tap into that capacity. Just like you mentioned, you know, brokers say, hey, this month here, I have, you know, 100 shipments of Christmas trees from Nevada to New Jersey. Now they can put that on our network. And once it's on our network, we will be able to kind of see it and have drivers picking up that freight from Nevada to deliver into to New Jersey. Right. So, yes, it definitely helped. Brokers. So we so you how does fleeting grow? Is it grow as uh, just having more and more trucks to lease? And then, so you're as an exchange or how do you look at your, how do you look at your growth as the number of trucks you have or the amount of, uh, I mean, I, I obviously you can look at the money and you're the middleman, but Absolutely. I mean, do you look at kind of yourself as growing like almost like a trucking company or just growing just as a marketplace? So I would say a little bit of both, right? Uh, and the reason I say a little bit of both is because traditionally, as much as we want to leverage technology, there's a lot of things in trucking that technology cannot completely eliminate. So I would definitely say that will be about 90%, you know, pure technology, maybe 10% still operate in the realm of a, you know, traditional trucking company. But also, I think for us, growth... Growth metrics, um, there's also several factors that determines growth metric, right? Yes, of course, the more trucks we have, the more drivers that we will be able to kind of hire and provide opportunities. But also, I think one of the uh, key growth factors for us is also looking how can we actually change the narrative of trucking? How can we really change the entire dynamic of trucking? Instead of being remain in the 20th century, how can we now bring trucking into the 21st century? Because again, 74% of everything we touch are moved by trucks. So by creating a, a much better ecosystem that allows shippers and drivers and brokers to communicate freely and move freight a lot efficiently for us is one of the key metrics um, for growth. Yep. So let's talk a little bit about your the social impact you're hoping to have. So you're you, you, we talked when we were prepping for too long, we talked about <laughs> uh, people coming out of prison. And again, we incarcerate, I think, 1% of the population. 
which is I think that the most in the world. We got a lot of laws here. <laughs> and and I think it's the American nature to break laws. That's <laughs> what we Absolutely. do. We're very good at that. <laughs> but there's most people in jail. And we're not talking serial murders. We're not talking people who are uh, should never come out. But Correct. most people who go to jail do come out at some point. And yes. most of them are nonviolent. Yes. So you Absolutely. want to put, put these people to work. And so how do how does your social impact wrap into what we just talked about? Wow. Uh, man, that right here is a, is a very, very story that's dear to my heart. And I think, again, this is a mission for me is I was born and raised in Haiti and came here with a dream of becoming a neurologist. And unfortunately, Joe, I landed in a community that was very dangerous. The norm was drug dealing and gang violence. And you could have easily seen how easy it is to get caught up Right. into something stupid and end up in prison. And I think that created a fear, but that fear became a big motivating factor for me because the fear of becoming a statistic, the fear of becoming a product of that environment, I was always looking of saying, okay, what is it that I can do to escape here? And although I've had friends that, you know, that, that, that became victim of violence, even me personally, I also became victim of violence as well in that community. And I chose trucking and built the staffing agency in trucking. I'm sorry, um, once I chose trucking and got my CDL and started driving for XPO Logistics, then uh, eventually um, worked for Performance Food Group, then eventually became an owner operator myself, then also built a staffing agency. But while doing all of that myself is what I've realized was the problem that really exists in trucking and how everyone is affected by it. the drivers, the freight brokers, the shippers, the right. trucking companies. And that was really dead to me. And I was running two companies in 2017, a staffing agency, which I grew to 2.5 million in revenue under 18 months and nice. a trucking company, which I grew to 1.7 million in revenue in the first year. And as the same time, my son was born with Down syndrome and that really started affecting me personally, financially, emotionally, and my business started falling apart. And I was brutally attacked while my son was going through his surgery. I was brutally attacked from an attempt carjacking robbery. Oh, and that left me almost, you know, <laughs> dead myself. My family didn't, you know, they didn't think if I was going to make it through surgery. But by the grace of God, I'm here. But it was also in that surgery I realized how easy it is when you live in certain communities with no opportunities, how you could either become the perpetrator or you can also become the victim from a perpetrator. So, right. and for me, I find that it was appalling. I said, why was somebody trying to rob me from my car? When I'm running two businesses, it's a young man that looked just like me. What if that right. young man would have came to me and said, Pierre, what do you do for a living? Nine right. out of 10, I would have told him I own a trucking company. I can show you how Come, to become a CEO. Let me get your driver. job, man. <laughs> we could get you into trucking and get you to become a business owner. But again, unfortunately, we from those communities where, where some people felt like they can't achieve anything. The next best thing for them is take it from somebody that looked like they have it. And unfortunately, I was a victim of that. But what really stuck to me was the fact when I was in a hospital, if I said I wasn't angry, I'll be lying. Yes, I was angry myself. I couldn't understand it. I wanted revenge. I wanted blood. But I quickly realized, I said, well, if I go out there and do anything crazy, what am I solving? If I go and hurt this man for right. having me in the hospital with my head cracked open, I had 67 staples in my head and I have a titanium oh, plate on my forehead. Boy. My forehead is not even real. Right. And I said to myself, what is it that I'm going to solve by doing this? One, I run the risk of going to jail myself. Two, my children, my three beautiful children run the risk of growing up without a father. And then three, I said, I'm also going to help. I'm, I'm also going to hurt another brother. Right. And I said to myself, what is that solving? And I said, God, if you could get me at this hospital alive, <laughs> I would not retaliate. I said, I do not have 
to perpetuate that same vicious cycle of violence that I've experienced myself. I said, it stopped with me. And I said, please get me at this hospital. I'll build another company. Not only I will add tech to solve the supply chain logistic issue, but I said, also, I want to come back to those communities and help young men and young women get their CDL, become entrepreneurs in trucking, especially the formerly incarcerated market. Uh, I'm sorry, the formerly incarcerated men and women, because nine out of 10, when they come home from prison and they end up back in the same communities, to me, again, it's a trap, it's a vicious cycle. So I wanted, I asked God to give me the strength, the ability to build this company to actually help those individuals. Although I was in pain myself, and that was what, that's exactly the reason why I believe fleeting can solve the problem for the for the formerly incarcerated. Right. So how many drivers in your, like what percentage of your drivers have previously been to prison? About 40% of our drivers are formerly incarcerated. Now, and I take it you're not having a lot of problems with them or you wouldn't still be growing. <laughs> no, no problem at all. Uh, for us, to be very honest with you, a lot of companies saying, you know, they can't find drivers. And not for us, we actually have drivers on our waiting list waiting to join. As we grow, as we add on trucks, we add on drivers. So so now some of these drivers, let's just say these guys coming out of prison, they don't have CDL license. How, how do they get those? Well, so so for us, is we don't get the guys that's fresh automatically coming out of prison. We have guys that probably already obtained their CDO after a prison, as you know, probably two, three years ago, you know, of their offenses and probably couldn't get hired. So we more like give them a second chance. But for us is one of the main thing that we're all going to do as we go into a series A is to actually create our own trucking school where we can now start teaching those individuals how to obtain their CDL. And also not just trucking, just to understand driving, but also understand the business side of trucking. Because I believe driving is not for everybody, right? And most people might say driving is not for me, but they can be a dispatcher. They can become a freight broker, right? They can become a service provider in trucking. So for me, and this is what also led me to launch Piers Academy also, to teach those individuals how they can learn other skills right. that get them back into society right. and employment yeah. a lot faster. Now, as far as um, as far as the loads, who, who's bringing those loads to your company? Loads as far as so loads, we work um, with a few direct shippers, and I would say right now, um, 70 percent of our loads are coming from direct brokers, and thirty percent are coming from direct shippers. And now, are they do they are they looking at at this social impact as a positive? Is that one of the reasons they're buying from you? Well, so it's not to say there's a reason that they're buying from us. One thing that we do a great job at vetting our drivers. So it's not, we, we don't just say, hey, look, we accept anyone formerly incarcerated. No, no, of we course not. Make sure that, you know, we, we still do our homework on those individuals. But I think for the most part is uh, the shippers trust us as a carrier to do, to make sure that we vet the right individuals to put in our rigs. And of course, we're talking about trucking. We're talking about the safety of others on, on, on our roadways. We're talking about safety of shippers. So for us, no, we all of our shippers understand our mission. And for us, is the trust is on, on the fact that we are making sure that we hire the right talent that will actually do the right thing. Yep. And, you know, I think one of the things we, we've been hearing a lot is this ESG, the environmental and social governance, this whole idea of more and more companies are becoming B corporations, which, you know, are kind of judged differently, yep. you know, and, and I think more and more companies want to be, uh, well, I think consumers and purchasing agents are looking to buy from companies that do have that. Yep. And, you know, this, yours is an interesting one because, you know, there's, there's some segment of the population. So I don't, I don't want to work with ex-cons, right? But they are getting out of jail. I, I, we're getting in prison. And when we were prepping, I was talking about, I have a family member who serve some time and getting out and getting a good opportunity once you've been in prison is not easy. 
Not at all. And, and like most, I shouldn't say most, a lot of employers, probably the majority, I'm guessing, say, thanks, but no thanks. And I got this guy who just got out of high, got out of high school and seems like a good kid. And this guy just got out of prison. I'll go with the, I'll go with the younger inexperienced guy as opposed to this guy who might do something bad on the job. So we, we do have to find there. We do have to find opportunities and we have to uh, also guide them along because again, Absolutely. I think, you know, especially if you've been in prison, we were talking about it, you know, not exactly the nicest place. You could have been assaulted in there. You're stigmatized for sure. Absolutely. Uh, and, and mental and then, health. Yeah. And then when you get out, your old buddies, you can't hang with them anymore. No. They're they're half the reason you're in jail <laughs> or in prison. Absolutely. And what you see, this is this is the 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 huge point that you're bringing up here, man, with the the, the prison system here in America. And I think if we look at it, is that you know, for us right now, we're going through what we call the Great Resignation, right? No one wants to re- pretty much work regular dead end jobs. Everybody's looking for an opportunity for growth. But you have those individuals; they don't even have ecosystem that's helping them with home, even you know, finding their identity. Right. And if you look at it, one out of three end up reoffend. So that's increasing the recidivism rate. Because why? There is no ecosystem to help these individuals find an employment and housing. But what would our world would look like if our society can learn to destigmatize those individuals? Let's not look at them as an ex-con or an ex-criminal. There are human beings just like us. And I believe in second chances. We are humans yep. and we all make mistakes. And I believe somebody making a mistake shouldn't be a sentence for the rest of their life to where now they can't even take care of themselves. They can't even take care of their family. Yeah, that makes it even worse. Absolutely. Yeah. And we short a million truck drivers. So again, how can we bridge that gap? How can we start providing training? Let's focus on the things that matters and start providing training to these individuals. Let's teach them trucking. Again, our country need it. So for us, is this is about a, a million talent that we are hunting for that's right here in our face that we're not paying attention to. And Fleeton wants to recognize that. Right. So one thing, you mentioned you grew up in Haiti. And what? how old were you when you moved here? I came in when I was 15 years old. I was 15. No way. That yes. must have been it. So did you use, what's your first language? Is it English or French? Well, being born in Haiti, first language for uh, for me was Creole, but and and the school system say something in Creole for me. Ah, qui chante tout bas là, mon copain m'a parlé avant la jodia, so merci un peu. What was that? What was that? What did you just say there? Nah, I hope it was something great, nice. Nah, I said it was a good day to be here speaking with you. So really, thank you for being here with each other. So, so when you came here, you could speak English, obviously, and not a. Not well. Single bit of English, man. Got bullied in school, got beat up in school. Man, it was called more like cultural shock for me when I came here. Oh, uh, so <laughs> yeah, do you, the you, of English. Yeah, and you said you think you're going to be a neurologist, and most likely if you're in a rough neighborhood, there's not one neurologist coming out of that school, right? Absolutely did not see that myself because it was my dream because I was always uh, a bad kid in Brooklyn. Uh, I'm sorry, in, in Haiti. And I used to always try to reason with myself. I'll do something bad and my mom will give me a beating and I'm right back doing it again. So I used to always ask me, who's doing this? Is this me or is it my brain that's causing me to do this? So ever since a kid, I was kind of, you know, just amazed by the brain and wanted to study <laughs> neurology. Right. But yeah, Brooklyn took that from me in a sense, but I think I'm not bitter about it because I've learned a lot, learned from my experience in business and living in those communities and look where I am now to be an advocate to speak on how can we help more individuals in those communities. I mean, that's what was your first impression? What's, what's one big surprise about the U S when you moved here, man, I always tell people this. I said, the U S does a great job at promoting the U S across the world because you would not believe that America has poverty. 
you would not believe that America has a gang issue. Right? Well, I watch Law and Order, so I, I, that's my show. I see that. I see yeah, that be, but you live in America, yeah. right? But the world may not see America in that light. What we see is beautiful buildings and a place where you can actually go and achieve your dreams. So that's what we see America as, especially when you live <laughs> in the And then you move like to the baby. hood. <laughs> there you go. I moved in the hood. It was like, holy crap, what the hell is this? Is this America? That's not the America I used to see on TV. So that was more like cultural shock for me. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you've succeeded. But so another thing you mentioned, you, you mentioned your series A. Yep. So talk a little bit about your, your funding and your investors. Yes. Um, so our goal is to, to do series A towards the end of um, this year. To date, we raised a little over $2.5 million from investors and angel investors. I also became the first black man to raise over a million dollars on a crowdfunding platform with SEC and Republic. And continue growing now. We are actually raising one last 750K, which we have about 500K committed. As a matter of fact, we just got another commitment. So about 800K committed on a 750K round. We'd like to say that we oversubscribed that. But as you know, when in a startup world, if the money's not in the bank, is is not close. So don't want right. to celebrate a little bit too much. Right. But our goal for that is also not only that we have that, but we also have a lending partner that will allow us to help more people finance truck under better term. Maybe we didn't cover that in the interview, but the process of financing a truck in today's market is very hard. It's a very predatory because lenders automatically look at if you don't know how, if you don't own a CDL license and you want to become a truck investor, they look at you as a risk. So for us is we created a part, we built a partnership with a lending partner that allow us to de-risk that process and allow our investors to get the trucks with 10% down and pretty much single digit interest. So again, I think here right now, if you look at it, traditionally they're asking people for 20, 30% down for a truck and charging up to 25% interest rate. So we believe by doing that, it would definitely help the market, but that's the way, you know, we think we can solve some of those issues that we're seeing. Right. Right. So now you, you so are you, are you guys making money and using this, the investment dollars to build a platform or are you still kind of running, running in the red on the day, daily operations? So, yeah, so definitely the purpose of the raise is to build the platform because what we realize is truck onboarding manual, it's a manual process that can be very tedious, a lot of paperwork, you know, waiting for DMV for registration. So that can be a gruesome process. So we want to build technology around that from, it's taking us on average from 30 to 45 days to onboard one truck. We want to narrow that down to 10 to 15 days to kind of support scale. We want to hire more engineers and also definitely increase our staff, definitely on the, um, not on the driver, just on the driver end, but do some marketing before, right. and put ourselves in a better position for series eight. Yeah. So do you have, is your technology all done outsourced or are you doing it in-house? So I would say some, we, we do have a CTO, my co-founder CTO, Eric, been in the industry for over uh, almost 30 years himself. Eric pretty much managed the offshore team. So Yes, in a sense, we do have a, um, our head of engineering here, but he also does he does manage right. well, that, the that, um, engineering team. That hybrids, well, a lot of companies are doing it because it just yep. makes sense. Yep. So, well, that's fantastic. So now, if you don't mind me asking, how many drivers do you have uh, in your platform? So right now, we have over five hundred drivers on our platform. Really? Um, yeah, and pretty much, and this is pretty much with no ads. This is all organic growth by me actually speaking on social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram, and drivers understand that what we're building here is providing that flexibility component. And also drivers relate to me on a personal level because they know that I've been a driver myself for 18 years. I'll tell you, it's 
and I'm not shaming anybody because I'm I can throw myself in some of these boats. Is most people, it seems, start off in this business, you know, maybe you're a freight broker or a three PL. They don't ever get to a dock. Nope. They never get in a truck. And you know, I've been in a truck, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I've not driven one. I'm not. I'm not, I don't have a CDL. I remember I drove a six wheel truck one time. That was hard work. I did not enjoy yes. it at all. But um, and. I think that's that sometimes can be a disconnect is the, uh, you know, the, one of my, um, my buddies over at Ruan said to mm-hmm. me, yeah, we've got the ultimate technology here. And I said, what's that? He said, a truck. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's where it all begins and ends. And by the way, those are technological marvels with all the, mm-hmm. with all the visibility and all that. I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible what we've done with that, but we overlooked the role of truck drivers again. So, As yeah, always, no, what you're saying is 100% correct. And even take that a step further, not just freight brokers or shippers never bumping a dock. Let's look at the people that are making laws in transportation, right? The people that are right. in Congress that never spent a day in trucking, that don't have no family members in trucking. So again, these laws are affecting a lot of small trucking companies, affecting a lot of drivers. So if you look at it again, I think this has put me in a great position to not only be a leader, but to be a voice of change in transportation and really bring forefront the challenges and the issues and what, you know, what type of solution we can bring to the market by just being aware and just have an open ear to listen to those challenges because they are real. They are yep. Drivers are being affected by it every day. Shippers are being affected by it every day. Small businesses are being affected by it every day. And we as consumers is the one that's going to end up paying a bigger price because the more we have a driver shortage, the longer it takes the shipper to move that product from point A to point B, the more expensive it becomes to the last and receiver, which is us, the consumer. So this is a problem that can affect every American citizen in this country. So I think this is a problem that we all need to bring to the forefront right. and work on it together. Yeah. So as far as, you know, you guys are obviously doing, you've got a lot of good things going. What about like service levels? How, how I mean, you, you're working, you've got some stuff that's direct for shippers, 30%, 70% with brokers. Are you getting, the, are you guys hitting performance levels that like like any other trucking company or any other owner operators i mean those, those challenges pretty much i would say in a sense it's not to say that they're, they're not there and it's not to say that you can completely limit them eliminate them overnight by building technology so it's a lot of trial and error for us as well as learning what's working and what's not working and focusing on what's working so for us is we're looking at everything as a learning curve as a learning experience to really understand exactly not just the challenges from a shipper standpoint not just the challenges from a broker standpoint but also understand the challenge from a driver standpoint right what are all the issues and also understand the challenge on a mechanical standpoint so a lot of times those things happen is outside any one of our controls outside of the shippers control workers control no the drivers control construction road work accidents all those things that we have to take consideration so when we're talking about hitting our targets it's not to say hey look yes we are 100 on time every time but I nobody think, is <laughs> there you go but for us is the level of transparency the level of communication that our shipper partners have with us the way they can constantly track their freight and understand what's happening on the ground well, it's excellent. And I'll tell you, I've said this, I said this when we were prepping and it's, it's, it's the truth. I talked to a lot of people on my podcast, but you have a very unique service offering. And, and I always think that's podcast I published today was with tomorrow IO. They have a weather intelligence app platform, I should say. And that's very different. But lately I've been talking to people with dynamic pricing, even though it's out there, it's still brand new. It's to me, every once in a while you hear something that's truly innovative and you're doing it. You're one of those. And 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 I think hard the hard part, I'll just throw this out there, it sounds like 
the hard part's getting the, the word out that hey, this works. Is yes. this happening? <laughs> you know this, and 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 then getting acceptance to it. You know, yep. it's like anything else that's brand new. Somebody goes, wait, wait a sec, what is all this? It's a platform. You know, because we're used. To, you know, if you're a shipper, you're like, I call a broker, I call a carrier. I don't always talk to guys like this. I don't, you know. That's so it, it's true. so it's a little bit of education, which means it takes a little longer. Absolutely. When I was first started selling, and I remember I always had like, oh, you got to educate this, you got to educate your customer. Yes. As I got older and better at, it, I started realizing I don't want to ed educate the customer. I mean, you got to educate the customer. That takes a long time, a long time and yep. they might never buy. I'm going to look for somebody who says, "Yeah, I want that." Yep, I'm your, I'll give it to you. <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> but you, you have a you you have a little longer sale because you have to convince everybody. Hey, this is a brand new model and it's working. Absolutely, and not only that, we have to convince. Right, is the fact that again, we we want to We don't want to approach this industry like we know it all. We don't want to approach it by building something that we think is going to work. We want to approach it by bringing everybody into the table, bringing the shipper to the table, bringing a broker to the table, bringing the um, the driver to the table to really understand the root cause of the problem and how can we build together? How can we build a solution together? As opposed to saying, okay, well, fleeting knows the answer for everything, and we're just going to build it our way. No, we, we we take the feedback from those parties and allow to build so this is why again our approach is not to say hey look not that we're not looking to scale our company which we are on track to do so but again we want to really build a solid business we want to build a solid infrastructure to really understand again how can we not only solve for the 10 percent of the industry but how can we solve for 90 percent of the industry or even 98 percent of the industry that's our goal here we we build on a big company and building anything of that magnitude require work it requires straight faith and it requires that you have a strong team and a lot of believers around you and i'm confident that we, we are doing that and as we speak in in real time and we're going to continue to do so um you know being on podcasts with like yourself i think really help um spread the message but yeah we're very confident so. that those yes absolutely now we're very confident those things will definitely spread the message and really start again we have to start destigmatizing trucking one so we can start appealing more the next generation into trucking. We cannot treat trucking like it has been treated in the 20th century. We really have to bring trucking into the 21st century. So you're right. Anything new may require that little adapting curve. And we're, we're, we're okay with that because we're confident, again, what we're building is very novel. And not only that we can solve just for the drivers, we're solving for the shippers, the brokers, and most importantly, America's consumers, which is us, the regular average American. Yeah. Yeah. And I love the idea also, like there's always people looking for alternative investments. You know, we're right now, and no matter what you, where you're at in the stock market, you know, it's done well, but people go, yeah, I'm not so yep. sure what's going to happen over the next year. Well, I know we're going to need trucks over the next year. I know there's Absolutely. a trucking shortage. So, so there's, I, I, I can see some people. And, and by the way, I can also see a lot of brokers liking this because a lot of the brokers I've talked to said, yeah, we'll, we get enough loads and a lot of the times it's seasonal. We'll we'll lease a truck for six months. We'll yep. lease a truck for three months. That gives it so it's off their books, right? So they they get it for three months when they need it and then go, thanks, Pierre. Thanks to that's, your driver. We are right. <laughs> we'll that's see it. you next see you next year. <laughs> and that's exactly what our business do. Allow them to do exactly that. When they have the capacity or they have the crunch where they're definitely looking for their capacity, they can turn on to us. And when things slow down, they can say again, see you. Same thing for the drivers, right? They can say, hey, look, I only want to work this quarter because holidays coming in. But after that, I'm taking at least another 30 day vacation. I mean, before I come back to work, same thing. Right. And, and you know, I say this every once in a while on the podcast, maybe it sounds like I'm disconnected or something, but it's, it's the truth. This is a wealthy nation 
Very and we don't, you know, when, when I say you're wealthy, you don't have to work like your parents and grandparents did to make a, a, a good living. Now, some people would say, oh, Joe, I'm working a million hours just to make it get ends meet. There's a lot of people who have the option not to have to work hard. Yes. And I think I shouldn't say work hard. They don't have to work 40 hours a week or 60 hours a week. And they might say, hey, I just want to work those. I want to work 20 hours a week. Absolutely. We. We have to, in this industry, make this a better job. We have to appeal to people because you said it when we were prepping. Oh, I think you said it in the podcast. A lot of people look and go, well, I can go work a lot of places now. I can go work in Uber and Lyft. And by the way, a friend of mine's son is delivering DoorDash. He made some serious coin. Yep. <laughs> and and, it, and my, my friend's like, what the hell? I'm going to do that. I'm going to do yep. that a few nights a week. He's killing it. That's true. Yeah, and I talk to Lyft drivers. I take Lyft. You know, it's funny. The one guy said, he goes, I was watching the NBA playoffs. And, I, and he, right after that, I, I took the lift. He goes, he goes, yeah, I jump in. I drive from 11 till till 2, take the drunk people home. And he goes, and I make this much per day. I was like, damn. Yep. <laughs> like, That's true. That's very true. So and if to, we're going to appeal to drivers, we got to do better than that. Yes, absolutely. And again, you hit it spot on the nail, Joe, is how can we destigmatize trucking? How can we have individuals looking at a CDL as an investment as part of their portfolio? Like you said, if somebody want to work 30 hours, about a, a, a college student, right? Somebody that's in college, you know, but they're available to work 20 hours on the weekend. I'm saying that they, they don't want to run the country, but they want to stay local. How can we get that person to do local work in trucking and make 20 hours? And again, where he doesn't feel like he has to kill himself and be on a road for 45 days. We can solve the problem with what we have in this nation today. But again, I just don't think people are paying attention to the problem because they haven't really been heavily affected by it. But pretty soon we will see how it affects every American citizen. And we're going to oh, be screaming. See some <laughs> and when I go to buy Diet Coke and it's not on the shelf, I mean, I, I get a little yep. tear. I get a little tear in Absolutely. my eye. I'm embarrassed, but I got a little tear in my eye. <laughs> yes, it is. No, it is embarrassing sometimes. I mean, look, people can't even get grapes out of California sometimes. But uh, this year right here, it was very hard. Even if you go to a supermarket, it's very hard to find grapes. So, again. Look, the car um, car industry, short on chips to manufacture cars because of right. the supply chain logistic issue. So you're absolutely right. We all are already affected by it. Well, so let, let me ask this. What, what would you say? I know there's probably lots of lessons, but what would you say like the number one lesson you've learned in building this business over the last few years? Ooh, number one lesson that I've learned is <laughs> this one is a good one, too, is just stop killing myself because I don't have to. How can I put it? Have an overnight success. Right. And what I've learned is an overnight success is actually 10 years of head down, being focused and doing the right thing and focusing on solving a specific problem. And that's one of my biggest takeaway being a startup founder. Yeah. Patience. <laughs> not, not it's, easy. I'm there again. Yep. <laughs> it's well, not the easy. nature of the nature of entrepreneurs isn't patience. It's it's go, go, go. <laughs> Absolutely. And I've learned how hard I've been on myself. So that's definitely one key takeaway from uh for me being a startup founder is you know ride the wave you understand don't take nothing personal right everything is a teacher everything is here to teach you something and embrace those learning curves as opposed to shy away from them well pierre i really appreciate you taking the time you got something very cool going here i hope you come back and talk about it when you're in, a, in six months when you're booming so let's wrap this bad boy up Who's your sweet spot? Who do you want to work with? Like people listening, who do you want to work with? I mean, I know you're looking investors. I know you're looking for drivers. I know you're looking for obviously shippers. 
Yes, definitely. Yes. So our sweet spot on the shipper part, definitely would love to work. Um, we don't have that yet as a customer is Walmart. Walmart is pretty big on the social impact front as well. So we love to work with Walmart. That's definitely one of our sweet spot of customers. And also as far as on the driver and is definitely want to target the formerly incarcerated market by creating the trucking school and allow them to get their CDL and become a good citizen within our community or our country to say. And also definitely investors that are looking to diversify their portfolio. You know, we um, doctors, teachers, lawyers, existing real estate investors, existing stock brokers. Yes, all logistics guys, right? Uh, That's already in the logistics space, executive in the logistics space. Again, that are looking to diversify their portfolio to, you know, say, hey, look, I would love to own five trucks or maybe 10 trucks and not have to worry about running the truck and receive passive income. I would think that, you know, it'd be a natural for guys who own brokerages to want to own some of that too, just because they understand the business. They say, I'll I'll keep that truck busy. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Freight brokers. And I thank you for saying that by saying even logistics executive, that those will be the the number one sweet spot as far as truck owners, because again, they already have the relationship with the shippers. They have the freight. All we'll be providing again is the technology, the, you know, the drivers, the, um, this compliance and allow them to really maximize their income. Yeah. Well, Pierre, this is excellent. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a link to your LinkedIn profile, link to your website, any other links you give me, I'll put those in the show notes so people can reach out and talk to you about what you're doing over at Fleeting. Yes. Yeah, they can find me on LinkedIn, um, Pierre Laguerre, and also on Instagram, Pierre underscore Laguerre 5. Yeah, just give me those links. I'll put them in the show notes and they can reach out and talk to you. Thank you so much, Pierre. Thank you, Joe. Really appreciate it. It was a pleasure being here with you. Great conversation. Yeah, I love what finally. you're doing. Keep doing it and keep, you know, bringing the spotlight to these founders, man. I love it. Great show. Thank you so much, Pierre. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support is very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.